0: You're listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: Hello, fellow fantasy football fanatics. Welcome to week six's Apex Fantasy Football Podcast. Of course, another eventful week in the National Football League. We had our first Tuesday night game in a while. Luckily, that didn't get canceled. We saw my Titans put a whooping on the Bills, which was awesome to see. Who needs practice, right? We had, of course, a devastating injury in Dallas, which we'll talk about. Of course, we'll go over waivers, and then we'll end with doing some more expected points and analyzing some players and how to value them going forward. First, let's, uh, first send our condolences to Dak Prescott and Cowboys fans, you know, so many of us, including myself, had them on important fantasy teams. Trust me, your pain is nothing compared to what Dak is going through just a horrific injury. Hopefully he can come back. Um, but the fantasy season marches on, so we will all get through that together. Uh, Andy Dalton takes over, who has had, you know, a history of being a competent and for a year or two a very good fantasy quarterback. Uh Mike, how are you downgrading, if you are at all, the Cowboys' weapons? Let's start with Amari Cooper. Um, what are your thoughts on Andy Dalton and Amari Cooper? Uh uh, at uh, at first, I think that anytime you
2: lose your starting quarterback, and there's a connection like Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott have, obviously there's a semi-significant downgrade. But I do expect this offense to continue to run really well, and I think Amari probably goes from a solid wide receiver one to now probably being like a high-end wide receiver two maybe a top 15 receiver this offense is still going to pass their offense is so bad they're going to be behind in games they may be a little bit more run heavy but it's really hard to key in on Cooper with guys like Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb there where that really keeps the defense honest you can't double any of these guys all the time because they have so many weapons that can beat you and it's not like Andy Dalton is starting his first game ever. We know that Andy Dalton is capable. This offense has the weapons. And when you look at an offense like this that has those type of weapons, it's still going to continue to function at semi-high levels. Maybe they're not going to be the league's best offense anymore, but they're still going to have a lot of fantasy production.
1: Dalton, what do you think about the initial drop-off from Dak Prescott to to Dalton?
2: I mean, there's definitely going to be a drop-off when
0: you go from a quarterback as good as Dak Prescott to any other quarterback for the most part in the league you're going to get a drop off but in terms of backup quarterbacks in the league like I don't know if there's really too many that are as good as Andy Dalton maybe Jameis Winston but that's about it and we've seen Andy Dalton produce at high levels before in fantasy and these weapons are naturally going to elevate any quarterback that's there and the fact that Andy Dalton has proven to be a good quarterback before like I do not think it's crazy if we see Andy Dalton be a quarterback one for the rest of the year. Um, what I'm really interested and curious to find out is how this target share is now going to be dispersed with a different quarterback there. We saw Amari Cooper, you know, getting the majority of the targets there for the wide receivers and then followed by Lamb and then followed by Gallup. But if we look at through the short, small sample of what Andy Dalton did on the field, we saw um, three targets for Gallup, three targets for Cooper, and three targets for CeeDee Lamb. In you know the quarter and a half that Andy Dalton was in there, so maybe this is also a boost for Gallup, and it kind of just like levels out the playing field in terms of these three wide receivers and what we're seeing more so than the the high wide receiver one output we were getting from Cooper, like the high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one for Lamb, and then um, like wide receiver three value from Gallup. I think we could all see like potentially wide receiver two value across the board for all these guys um, as these progresses.
1: Yeah, and you know, let's not forget Andy Dalton's a guy who, in his third season, threw for forty three hundred yards and thirty three touchdowns on five hundred and eighty six attempts. Um, in thirteen games in twenty fifteen, he had thirty two hundred yards and twenty five touchdowns. In twenty eighteen, he only played eleven games and still had twenty five hundred yards and twenty one touchdowns. And you know, back in those days with uh, AJ Green in his prime, Tyler Eifert and Marvin Jones as the, um. Uh, as the third option in the passing game, like he's not a guy who should be uh, dismissed at all. I think Evan Silva from Establish Run put it best when he said Dalton isn't exactly a guy who elevates the guys around him, but he can be elevated by his supporting cast to a nearly elite fantasy quarterback. So um, for those with a DAC injury, Dalton is a pretty good replacement. Uh, are you guys, uh, do you, with the Cowboys in general, are we seeing a change in the guard from Amari Cooper to CeeDee Lamb as the wide receiver one there, um, or are, do you guys still have Cooper firmly ahead of Lamb in your year-long rankings?
2: I would still take Cooper. Um, I think for Dynasty and even for Redraft, there's a lot to be excited about with CeeDee Lamb. He's a spectacular talent. And we're not even just talking about a guy developing. He is already arguably a superstar. This guy is going to be incredible. But with Amari Cooper, we just have a guy who's a little bit more positioned as the number one. He's done it for a little bit longer. And if we start seeing... Uh, CD dominate a little bit more. Maybe the defense gives him a little bit more attention. It gives Cooper a little bit more opportunity or a little more space to produce. So I think even if CD starts taking over a little bit, the defense will adjust and it will flow back in Cooper's direction. So either way, both of these guys are going to be really productive. But if we're talking about which one you prefer rest of year, I think you have to take Amari Cooper.
1: And we saw Kellen Moore say the Cowboys are going to continue to be aggressive on offense. Do you take that as a sign that they're not going to abandon this insanely fast-paced approach? Or do you think they're going to slow it down a bit, give Zeke a few more carries, or probably somewhere in the middle? I don't think that they have much of an option. Like, this team defensively
2: is, is awful. Um, so they're going to be behind if they play against a team with a competent offense. So I think they're going to continue to try and push the pace. This isn't a guy who's new to the NFL. Andy Dalton should be able to pick up Kellen Moore's system. And Kellen Moore is just a really bright offensive mind that may give Dalton the best chance of his career to succeed. Not only does he have the supporting cast, but he probably has the best coaching that he's ever had. So this is a very good situation. And the Cowboys aren't going to be able to be conservative. I think that if they had a better defense, let's say this is the Patriots and they're able to sit on the ball and they're able to game manage. Yeah, I think they'd love to do that with Dalton, but I don't think that's an option with this defense and the supporting cast that he has. So I think that they're going to be forced to remain pass heavy.
1: So Prescott was arguably the best quarterback in fantasy before his injury. Why don't we contextualize our expectations for Andy Dalton, the red rifle do you see, I mean, I think it's, we can't expect it to be where Dak Prescott was. Where do you put him in terms of rest of season rankings? Um, You know, for those of you who lost Dak, there's a few free agents uh, in your, who are possibly in your league, such as still Justin Herbert, who looks awesome. We'll talk about him in a moment. Uh Ryan Tannehill as well. Do you think he fits around that range? You think maybe he's borderline top ten? Let's start with you, Mike. Where do if you lost Dak or you need a second quarterback and a 2 quarterback league, Dalton's on the wire, what are your expectations for his performance for the rest of the year?
2: I think all three are kind of in that 12 to 15 range where they're high-end quarterback twos and they should definitely be started in favorable matchups. I think all of them, Tannehill has showed that he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. They do go run heavy with Derrick Henry, but it kind of makes those pass attempts more valuable. They come off the play action, teams are expecting a run, and then we have A.J. Brown one-on-one and it ends up being a really high-value pass attempt. So we have that going with Tannehill. Hill Herbert may have the most upside of this group because he's just he's over you look special in every way. We can't expect any more from this guy. I mean, he's kind of on pace with what Deshaun Watson was doing during his rookie year, and it's not with a ton of weapons like we've seen kind of an injured Mike Williams that he produced with last week. Hunter Henry got involved before it was Keenan Allen, and while these guys are are getting injured around him, he kind of continues to produce. And it doesn't seem like any are going to be out for a long time. So I think with this bye week coming up, if you're able to hold him, Herbert is an excellent candidate. And then, yeah, Andy Dalton. I think that people too frequently don't understand that a lot of quarterback production derives from the weapons that you have. If you looked at Philip Rivers in past years on the Chargers and you took Keenan Allen out of the lineup, he dropped by four points per game. The same is true with Matt Ryan if you take Julio out. So as long as Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb remain on the field and we have a serviceable quarterback, he's going to be able to score. And especially when you add the factor that they're in a negative game script, there's a really op- good opportunity for Andy Dalton to reach 40 pass attempts
1: and throw four, two to three to four touchdowns. Yeah, I I got to agree with you. I i don't think he's hitting 450 passing yards a lot like Dak is, but you know, I think Two hundred and seventy yards per game at and two touchdowns a game is not an unreasonable expectation uh, with a situation like that. I part of me wants to see it an alternate reality. I want to see Jameis Winston on the Cowboys. That that would be a bit of a fantasy. Uh, obviously, that's not happening, but I think that would be cool. But I I really feel like again there aren't like there aren't ten starting probably there aren't 20 starting quarterbacks who are better than Jameis Winston I want to see him on the Cowboys but uh, Dalton are you uh, are you with Mike when it comes to ranking Andy Dalton a borderline quarterback one next to Herbert and Tannehill how are you playing that situation if you lost someone like Dak and you need a um, and you need to go after someone's second quarterback or you need to spend some money on a free agent budget
0: I mean, if all those three guys are available, I'm bidding on each of them, and I'm happy to end up with any of them as my quarterback.
1: I do think so. The Ryan cheapest Tannen, one, hopefully.
0: He, um. Yes. I mean. Okay. I I mean at the end of the day, like I think I think for me, like I prefer Tannehill that group. Tannehill's just been he's just been so good, and he's been so efficient ever since being on the Titans. Um, obviously his touchdown rate seems like it's not sustainable, but again, he's close to what he was last year so far. And he doesn't turn over the ball much. I mean, he has, he has thirty-six
1: touchdowns in fourteen games starting for them. Like it, it doesn't seem like a fluke at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's just been really good, and he has good weapons around him. We've seen John Smith's breakout, and now with Andy Dal- or um, AJ Brown back here, and uh, Corey Davis potentially coming back the next week. Like it seems like he has a good weapons around him as well, and they're a high scoring offense. They've scored over thirty-one points in the last three games, and um, he looks like he's here to stay. And I think Ryan Tannehill is actually a quarterback one for the rest of the season. Um, so I would prefer him. And then I would probably go to someone like Andy Dalton just because of the weapons there. I think that the weapons are going to elevate him to quarterback one performances week in, week out. And um, I'm curious to see how Keenan Allen's injury affects Justin Herbert. Um, and also another reason I wouldn't go with Herbert right now is because he has a bye week. So I'd lean Tan Hill because he's already has bye week. Herbert, if you're adding him right now as your quarterback one, like you'd need somebody else as your quarterback. So that would probably be my preference this week on waivers be Tannehill Dalton and then at Herbert. But again, if I have a good quarterback and I'm looking for a backup option, I would actually get Herbert as a backup option because I think the is most upside.
2: I think the issue with Herbert that is working against him is you kind of see these rookie quarterbacks as like rookies in the MLB where initially they start and they can get off to a really hot start. And then these scouting reports come and people, the of coordinators know what they're trying to do, what throws they like to make, what easy reads they have. And then once they adjust to what your preferences are, it becomes a lot harder to produce as a rookie quarterback. So I think that if any of these guys
1: are going to see some growing pains, Herbert's probably that guy. And and we did see that a little bit at. Oregon where if Herbert's first read was manageable I mean he has incredible arm talent he's incredibly mobile uh he he would kind of lock onto his first read if he wasn't there then he'd leave the pocket because he's so athletic and so good on the run um and hopefully make plays from there but of course that's not as easy in the NFL so I think that's a great point that you bring up why don't we transition to a few more guys on the waiver wire we want to talk about let's start with uh Chase Claypool, Mister Four Touchdown. Um, it, clearly he's for real. Uh, Mike, why don't you? Ta- we we went over him a little bit in previous in a previous podcast, but I think now maybe that was a fl- we thought maybe that was a flash in the pan. Maybe hold him for future weeks. Do we have to take cha- take Chase? uh ah, sorry. Do we have to take a uh, Chase Claypool seriously even in redraft leagues right now? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean. There's a non-zero percent chance that he's already
2: Pittsburgh's best receiver. Obviously, he wasn't getting the attention that the Juju and Deontay Johnson get, but this guy's a freak. If you look at him, he's, he's in the class with those Megatrons or Julios or DK Metcalfs that are just physical specimens that are heavy, fast, and athletic. And every chance that the Steelers have given him, He's produced. And here we are in week five where Deontay goes down, and every Steelers receiver outside of Chase Claypool underperformed their expectation in terms of targets. If you look at Claypool, he outproduced his 25.9 expected points by 16.7 fantasy points. Wow. Uh, They even gave him a rush. Like, this guy is just really, really, really good. And the Steelers probably see reason to get him involved as soon as possible. And a guy with this type of upside and the kind of performance he just had, I I think that he's a must add and warrants heavy bidding dollars just because of his
1: upside alone. And with with a guy like Claypool, you know, uh, Juju just doesn't seem to be happening What he had four catches for 28 or 26 yards. Uh, this might be the best thing for Juju in terms of he was at his best when Antonio Brown was there, a guy who was a major threat downfield. Juju, they're not using him like that anymore, so maybe it opens up things in the short intermediate game for him. Uh, James Washington, you you got to imagine that is going to play ahead of him. And, you know, Deontay keeps getting hurt, and Claypool's forcing his way on the field. Dalton, do you have you moved up Claypool in your rookie wide receiver ranks in terms of dynasty? Where does he sit right now with you?
0: I mean, he, I mean, you have to move him up. Um, one thing that's really key for these rookies is understanding that their, their weight profiles as well as efficiency in the rookie year. And the fact that Claypool weighs 238 pounds and he's been wildly efficient so far this year, like if he continues at this pace or at least his, he doesn't have to continue his pace as long as he's efficient he finishes the year efficient and he has over 80 targets like again like every single one of those players that do that has been a wide receiver one or at least been within you know 10 points of being a wide receiver one in their career so like he's currently on pace for that and that's extremely exciting for a, a wide receiver who a lot of people really were down on because they didn't they didn't know if he was tight end he didn't necessarily dominate in college as much as we liked but again like what we've seen so far from him is extremely exciting. So he's moving up to the point where like, like I think you have to mention him like right after guys like Higgins and Chanel, like, and the Judy and the Lambs, like he's right there, like right behind those guys. And if he continues to ball out these next few games, like I think that you can put him in that argument with some of the best receivers in this class. Like he's shown just with the workload he's getting that he's been able to ball out four games in his career. So, um, He's definitely their wide receiver, like six, seven in this class right now for me.
1: He seems like what we kind of wanted James Washington to be in terms of someone who's actually a downfield threat, where Washington just doesn't seem to be making that happen for the Steelers. What about some other uh, wide receivers who might be available on your waiver wire? Mike Williams, a guy who we've all really liked, um, who after a disappointing rookie year came back the next year with 10 touchdowns, uh, he joined A.J. Brown last year, I believe, and the only wide receiver with 81 or less targets with 1,000 yards. He's clearly good, and he finally um, showed that in the box score against the Saints. If he's a free agent in your league, Mike, how are you? Are, are are you do you like him more than claypool is he near claypool do we do we just watch the injury reports to see what Keenan Allen's up to or is Mike Williams just uh just could be a wide receiver 3 for the rest of the year now I think you need to
2: watch closely what's going on with Keenan Allen and it kind of depends on your necessity. I think Claypool is more of a long play although Mike Williams upside has obviously gone up with the insertion of Herbert who is willing to take chances and make explosive plays downfield and Mike Williams has never been a guy that we've ever been concerned about talent it's always been volume as you talked about last year topping a thousand yards on I believe fewer than 90 targets he's always performed when given the opportunity and just this week he had 12.3 expected fantasy points and he outscored that by 15.6 having a huge week so if Keenan Allen is out this guy probably stands out as a top 15 wide receiver. He's going to see a ton of volume. I don't know that we can rely on Hunter Henry to lead that team in volume. And if the Chargers are in any sort of shootout and have to throw, I don't know how many targets KJ Hill and Jalen Guyton are stealing from Mike Williams. So I see him as a guy that could easily reach a 30% target share in a game that Mike Williams isn't playing. So I think that Hunter Henry and Mike Williams become really, really, really valuable players anytime that Keenan Allen is out. And if you need to win now and you need a wide receiver to go in your lineup, I think that Mike Williams is definitely a guy to target on this week's waivers, assuming somebody was frustrated with him and dropped him. If he can stay healthy and he can prove himself in some sort of um, connection with Herbert, that can open things up for later on down the season. This is a first-round pick that has never been short on talent, and maybe this is the time that he actually gets the opportunity that we've been waiting for.
1: Yeah, and his targets are so valuable because they come so far down the field that if he can get up to 10 targets a game, and even half of them are deep targets, and the rest are just short and intermediate stuff, obviously he's a red zone maven. That could be a huge, huge development for your fantasy team. Dalton, are you with Mike in that um You know, Mike Williams could be a top fifteen wide receiver without Keenan Allen. Are you prioritizing Claypool?
0: Um, I think I'm actually going to prioritize Mike Williams, and it's because he's been a little banged up. And the first couple games with Herbert weren't exactly promising for Mike Williams' development. But again, like the way that Herbert attacks the field downfield, like that actually bodes well for Mike Williams' skill set and. Um, we know that Mike Williams is a very good receiver. So I think that this actually helps Mike Williams, even if Keenan is on the field. like I'm not sure that necessarily even hurts Mike Williams. I think that like it actually will probably make him good. Um, the thing is, when Keenan Allen's out, we know that Mike Williams has a locked-in target share that probably isn't necessarily as locked in when Keenan is there. So Mike Williams has the talent to absolutely be a top 15 uh, weapon if Keenan's out. And I think that, Honestly, he's good enough to be a wide receiver to the rest of the season if he can get some sustainable, you know, targets there alongside Keenan. And I think that Herbert really has a talent and ability to not only – um let Keenan be a wide receiver one, but for other weapons in his offense to step up and be productive alongside him, like Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Like, we've seen guys like Jalen Guyton have just big plays and big splash plays and have some productive weeks the past couple weeks. Like, if he can do that, why why can't Mike Williams on a consistent basis do well with eight to nine targets a week?
1: No argument there. Why don't we move on to Kind of the feel good story of the week, and that's Travis Fulgham. You know, I see number thirteen on the Eagles, and I'm like, up oh, here comes another Nelson Aguilar drop. But you know, Fulgham looked really good, and Carson Wentz just peppered him with targets relentlessly. Uh, to me, this—I don't have the stats to back this up—but when a guy is efficient two game, like he's efficient one game, then the next game. He gets, you know, like 15 targets. He had a 10 for 150 and a touchdown. Guys like that just don't seem to go away and disappear completely, especially on a team that, you know, uh, quick tangent, how bad has Zach Ertz been? Like, he just looks completely washed. Um, So, Zach Ertz is almost a minus. Goddard is coming back. We'll talk about him in a second. Rager and Jackson don't seem to be healthy. Alshon... Uh, Does he even count anymore? Does Fulgham, uh do you see any league winning stuff in Fulgham or do you think it's just a bit of a flash in the pan, Mike? I don't know about league
2: winning. We need to see him do it for a little bit longer, but I do think that he's a must-add right now. This guy shouldn't be on the free agent wire. If you look at just last week, the most expected points for wide receivers were Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Chase Claypool, Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, DK Metcalf, Odell Beckham, and then Travis Fulgham. And not only did he have 21 expected fantasy points, but he outperformed that by 10.2 fantasy points, scoring 31.2. Uh The guy was phenomenal on a team that nobody's been able to do anything, so he's definitely earned himself some opportunity and I mean, I think somebody like Greg Ward was worth adding a few weeks ago, and now Folgum looks way better than him. Folgum's a better athlete he's two fifteen he has decent burst and agility. His dominator rating was semi-impressive in college. He didn't do it at an early age or anything. So he's not a guy that we love, but I think what's more important is he performed in the NFL last week and he earned Carson Wentz and that coaching staff's trust at this point. Like They're desperate for anybody who can perform. And now we have a guy who came in and dominated for them. So I think he's earned a significant target share going forward. And anytime that happens, it's worth holding the guy and seeing what happens.
1: How about you, Dalton? Where do you see Travis Fogum for the rest of the year? Is he a guy you're really targeting? Do you think he's for real? What do we? I uh, mean, old Dominion. It's not a great sign if you don't have a high Dominator rating, but you showed it on the field last week. How are you treating him?
0: Um, he's not someone I'm I'm necessarily like targeting, but like Mike mentioned, he's someone that you should be adding for sure. Like he's not someone who has this immense upside that we that I could see in like a Claypool or like a Mike Williams. But at the same time, due to the injuries on that team and the underperformance of Zach Ertz, like why can't Travis Fulgham be a guy that you're flexing or throwing in at your wide receiver three spot until like guys like Rager get healthier, or Goddard gets back? Like I don't I don't see why he's not a starter on a fantasy team right now for the next couple of weeks. And again, like you know, when, it's very rare that you can see guys put up a ten reception game for 152 yards and, like, them not be at least, like, somewhat good or at least have some sort of role in the future. So, like, that's extremely promising. Like, receivers, for the most part, like, aren't going to be putting that up unless they have some sort of um, role um, locked in there. So, um, I'm excited about it, and I think that he is someone that potentially, if he continues to play well, like, he honestly could have value for the rest of the season, even when a guy like Gregor comes back or even when Goddard comes back. So, I'm I'm really intrigued by him. But, again, like, When there's guys like Claypool and Williams, I'm prioritizing them over a guy like Fulgham, even though I do want Fulgham on there.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of on a range from Kevin Ogletree to Victor Cruz, he's probably somewhere in the middle in terms of unknown breakouts. Uh, Speaking of the Eagles, we have a player coming off IR who we've mentioned, Dallas Goddard. Uh, For those with tight end issues, maybe like me, you drafted Zach Ertz. Uh, Maybe you have Evan Ingram. Uh, where uh, where does Goddard slide in? Uh, do you think he picks up right where he left off as really taking over uh, Ertz's alpha tight end role in Philadelphia? Do you think he slides in as a top eight tight end now that he's back healthy? Yeah, I think Goddard's definitely got a target. I mean, tight end is a wasteland right now.
2: And... Whether you drafted Higby or you drafted Ingram or you drafted Ertz, there are a lot of landmines and not a lot of guys who are consistent weekly producers. And Goddard started out this year as the number one guy for the Eagles. And I don't see why anything changes. Ertz hasn't been able to produce Goddard is a very good prospect who has performed very well in the NFL and he's about to return on a team that really needs people to throw to. So I think Goddard immediately slides in as maybe a mid to low end tight end one, but definitely a guy that has the upside to be a top six tight end every week because there's no reason that on his team he shouldn't be receiving at least six targets a week. And he's probably their primary red zone guy as well. So on a team that likes to throw, needs a pass catcher, I think Goddard is a very, very smart target, if not under the radar because he's coming off IR, I believe, after this week. So you'll have to stash him for a week. Not a lot of people will be on him, but a very savvy
1: move for owners. Um, any other waiver wire guys we want to talk about before we head to some fun with expected points, Michael Dalton?
0: I don't have anything. I think that for the most part this is a relatively weaker week for waivers than we've seen the past four weeks due to like injuries like we've never seen before. So um, see, see
1: I actually disagree with you there. I think okay. the upside of guys like Claypool and Mike Williams and Fulgham, like like I think there's less depth, but I think the upside in guys like that, like those guys all have you know, there's there are not 0% chance that those guys can be all be wide receiver twos or at least wide receiver threes and flexes going forward. Anyone I think else what, are
2: you- Dalton is, what Dalton is referring to is that Mike
1: Williams and Chase Claypool
2: both – have had moments where they're either drafted or Claypool already had a spike week and these guys aren't available in every league and at running back, there's very little this week. So there's not a lot of hanging fruit to grab that necessarily is going to help you win your league. I think that it's always good to make sure that you're rostering guys who have upside, who have kind of volatility that they can do really well. Or if they don't do well, you can drop them and you can grab somebody else who can maybe do something. And one of those guys who I see is Darnell Mooney, who has this kind of interesting, small profile, but he's an explosive athlete who performed in college. And the the Bears need other people to throw to. And there's definitely a chance that Mooney's a little bit better than people expect. Maybe he wins that role outright. I know that he's been out snapping Anthony Miller, and maybe he's the Claypool of week six. Who knows? But hold on to those guys who are young, who are volatile, who maybe could have an impact, and maybe you can get ahead of other owners and grab them while they're still cheap.
1: Yeah, don't, don't be the owner who dropped Trace Claypool or Michael Williams before this week. Um, Mike, why don't you tell us what you saw in expected points this week? Yeah, so there's just a
2: few guys that we kind of regularly talk about in this show, Christian Kirk being one of them, where he kind of had a week that we were hoping for. He led the Cardinals in expected points uh deandre hopkins made a lot more out of his targets with big plays but christian kirk still had a good day and he outperformed his expected points so that's kind of trending in the right direction we like to see that another guy that we were waiting on is marquise brown it took some time obviously lamar jackson needs to connect with him but he finally scored his touchdown and he has 45 percent of the air yards on baltimore and he has 27% target share there. So there's every reason to think that Marquise Brown is going to connect on these big plays and have some more spike weeks. Another guy that we've talked about, everybody's been talking about, DJ Moore. He only had 7.9 expected points, but we finally did see him get at least one of those underneath targets that he was able to take to the house. Remember, DJ Moore is one of those guys who's really good after the catch. And Carolina can't forget that he made his money catching these underneath routes and making guys miss. And suddenly he's like a downfield receiver for them. So it was nice to see that he caught one of those underneath targets and showed how good he is after the catch. So he had 7.9 expected points. He outperformed that by 11.4 fantasy points. Hopefully the Carolina coaching staff recognizes that and they target him more underneath. Another very impressive wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault, 14.6 expected points that led the Jaguars and he's actually 21st out of wide receivers and expected points over the last two weeks and with shark missing missing practice today there's no reason that Chenault can't be expected to be kind of a wide receiver too if the low end wide receiver too but Chenault another guy with all those talent with all that talent where he's seeing expected points and you could see an explosive week soon. Um, that's all
1: I have on wide receivers before I get to running backs. Do you guys have any comments on those players? It, it was, it was nice to see Marquise Brown kind of perform without hitting on a deep target. You know, those are just coming. What has happened to Lamar Jackson as a passer? You can't, doesn't, it seems like you can't find open guys anymore. I don't understand it. Um, uh, I, uh, that was really nice to see considering that, uh, you know, uh, we always say that he needs a big play to perform but he's got a few red zone targets he had a few last year as well um it I, i'm shocked that Christian Kirk had less expected points in Hopkins considering um just the air yards behind their targets but i really hope that they can you know see that he should be the number 2 there and start getting him targets way more than Fitzgerald and hopefully get Isabella on the field. He's a guy to be looking to buy low. You could probably get him for pretty much nothing at all. Um, Dalton, anything from expected points for wide Yeah, receivers? I mean,
0: I, I, just, I just want to touch on uh, LaVisca Chenault for a second. Um, I I mean, he's already, like, the fact that he's, I think he can be, like, a locked-in wide receiver, too, um, the rest of the year. And um, the reason why I believe that is because LaVisca Chenault is already, Um, He's 26th amongst wide receivers right now in PBR points. That's with him only scoring one touchdown. And he still hasn't seen a game yet with over 70% of the offensive snaps. So as his role continues to grow, as the season progresses in the second half of the year, we actually may start seeing him get like full-time starter snaps. Like, you know, the fact that he's already putting up these fantasy points and add on the fact that DJ Chark's dealing with an ankle injury, like um, we could legitimately see him become the wide receiver one there. And um, Gardner Minshew's looked great. Gardner Minshew's finished at the top. You know, he's finished a quarterback one um, in uh in uh, three in three weeks already. And Lavisca Shinalt has got eight targets last week. He's gotten he's gotten over six targets last three games for him. So um, he has a locked in role there, and his role should continue to grow. So I'm really excited about him, and think that if you have him on your team, you're starting him every single week now. And even like as an asset to trade for in leagues, whether it's redraft or dynasty, I still think that he's someone that his value isn't where it is going to be in the future. So I think he's someone that you should definitely
1: go ahead and try. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't see 70% of the snaps this week if Chark is out. I mean, it seems like he's ready. Uh, Mike, take us through some running back quick hitters when it comes to expected points.
2: Yeah, with running backs, I'm always looking through the lens of who is going to be more valuable and who kind of sticks out as a buy low. I think it's very interesting to look at the Cardinals situation where Drake again led the backfield with 16 expected points. He, despite scoring a touchdown, underperformed that by 2.8 fantasy points. Edmonds hanging out at just 8.9 expected points, overperformed that by 11.3. I don't know how many more weeks the Cardinals coaching staff can watch Drake be outplayed by Edmonds without giving Edmonds more work, but that may be an interesting buy low if you believe that Edmonds is the better player and the owner doesn't make you pay a big price. If we're looking towards later on in the season, that's the kind of guy you want to target. It's it's all going to happen over one week. I think there's a possibility that we see Edmonds inserted. And at that point, once we see that week, your buy low window has closed. So if you feel passionate about that, that may be something to target. Another one of those guys that I feel passionate about is J.K. Dobbins. Another week, and again, Dobbins is the only Ravens running back to outperform his expected points on the ground and through the air. He had one rush for 34 yards. Like The guy is unbelievably explosive. And whether it's the eye test or your grinding stats, whatever you're looking at, J.K. Dobbins is the best running back in that backfield. And the Ravens are a smart coaching staff. It's only going to be a matter of time until this guy is taking over. I think that his owner's Already know that, but they're also going to be very disappointed with the fact that they spent a high pick on him and we still haven't seen him get that workload. So another guy that you may be able to buy. I thought it was very interesting that Yeldon outperformed Devin Singletary. Uh, Was a little bit disappointed with Zach Moss. I don't know if that has to do with
1: injuries. Did Yeldon outperform Singletary in terms of expected points or just fantasy points? Both.
2: Uh, Yeldon outproduced his expectation on the ground and through the air. Singletary underproduced and was disappointing in both categories. So there may be a door open for Moss. He is probably very cheap in your fantasy league right now. So for forward-looking owners, that's another interesting one. Jonathan Taylor also is coming. You probably hear us say this all the time. (laughs) He was the only Indianapolis running back to outperform on the ground and through the air. He is their best guy. And when they're in closed games, at some point, he's going to become the workhorse there. I know you've heard me say that, but it's coming. Um, And if Jonathan Taylor is acquirable for cheap, another guy that you want. Um, Miles Gaskin, I don't know if you're going to be able to acquire him, but over the course of the season, Miles Gaskin is 10 out of running backs in expected points. I don't think anybody realizes that he's number nine over the past two weeks, and he was number three in week five out of running backs and expected points. He again topped 10 expected points on the ground and through the air. He has a valuable receiving role and a valuable rushing role. And I think there was a narrative street argument last week where Matt Breida was going against his former team in the 49ers, and Gaskin still had 21.7 expected points. So I don't know that this coaching staff wants to force Brighton onto the field. I think that Gaskin is their guy and they've proved it week after week. The guy in terms of just workload is number 10 out of running backs. And I don't think that he's valued like that. So he may be a guy to go get or a guy to make sure that you have in your starting lineup. Um, Last one is going to be the Rams. Henderson is outperforming expectation as the best rusher on the Rams. And he's also overperforming his expectations, a receiver. The same cannot be said for Malcolm Brown. I don't know if it's the pass blocking or the familiarity with the offense that McVay and the coaching staff trust with Brown. And he'll probably continue to be forced on the field, but Henderson's outperforming him as a receiver. And we saw Henderson perform well when he was seeing downfield targets. He's performed well when he's received screens. And then you have Cam Akers, who the selling point to his profile is that he's a complete back that can do everything. And I think that there's a reason to get him involved in that receiving role. So if you're the Rams, I think there's a lot of incentive to get these two high picks and Henderson and Akers on the field. And if you're able to sell Malcolm Brown for anything to
1: an owner that needs running backs, now, is probably the time to do so. But Mike, I saw him make a one-handed catch. How can he be a worse receiver than Daryl Henderson, who has made zero one-handed catches?
2: Let's see how many one-handed <laughs> catches he makes over the, the course of the season going forward.
1: Um, no, I'm I'm definitely on the Daryl Henderson train. I think in that Rams offense, there's possibly room for two running backs. I just I can't imagine we're get to week eleven. And we're going to say, well, Malcolm Brown again, you know, stealing the show for the, for the LA Rams. I got to think it's Daryl Henderson and and Cam Akers there. Um, I, it would be the most 2020 thing ever for the Colts to go out and sign Le'Veon Bell just to ruin one of the only great things we have in the league. I really hope that doesn't happen. I think he's going to the bears or even the chiefs. Um, uh, Dalton, what do you think about any of the expected points metrics that Mike's talked about with these running backs?
0: Um, I just I just really have a comments about why in the heck are they continuing to give work to Malcolm Brown? Like, Daryl Henderson is doing well with his opportunity. We saw Cam Akers make probably one of the best runs we've seen all season from a running back in his 43-yard run this year. Like, you guys know what you have in Daryl Henderson because you're seeing it on a week-to-week basis. He's outplaying Malcolm Brown. You guys drafted Cam Akers in the second round to be this workhorse and he comes back and he looks amazing when he's when he look, when he comes back. Like, why is Malcolm Brown still a thing? Like, just please focus your offense around Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, whether it's one or the other, whether it's both, please focus on them. Get Malcolm Brown out of this offense and let these guys shine because it's gonna make your whole offense better because they're gonna be more efficient on their touches and they're just gonna help the offense as a oh, whole man. I just have to say that how to get that out of the way. Um, no, 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 no. no, no. no we, we
1: need Malcolm Brown to get his three yards, not form of the ball, and pass protect. He's a coach's dream. He's Peyton Barber plus, my friend. The problem is
2: everything you say about Malcolm Brown getting touches feels the same as J.K. Dobbins on the Ravens. That's a good point. Like, what, what are you doing with Mark Ingram and Gus, Gus the, the Bus? bus? Like, I think he's leading – he, is he leading that team in carries? I think he led the the team in the backfield in snaps last week as well. And Dobbins has one carry for 34 yards. What do you want him to do on that one carry to earn more work? The guy makes people miss every time he gets on the field. And the same can't be said for the other guys. Uh, Ingram and Dobbins don't look that good. And Dobbins looks incredible. He's better in the pass game. He's better in the run game. I think it's only a matter of time until the Ravens, yeah, uh, make the adjustment. Know. But you can always assume rational coaching,
1: and we gotta hope DeAndre sits in that in that conversation as well. Where he we is, le- uh, God, I hope so. Uh, we we can't go over three on our rookie running back bets, can we? No, no chance. <laughs> we don't want to cry right? on the show. Uh, oh, yeah. We yeah, that's the last thing we need. More more things to cry about in, in twenty twenty. <laughs> um. Mike, you got anything else with expected points and tight ends, or uh, do you think we've stuffed our listeners' ears with enough actionable info?
2: I think they have their homework, and now they need to get on those trades and
1: get on those waivers. Last thing, ten seconds. Where's Le'Veon Bell going, Mike? I think the Bears are my best guess. I'm going Chiefs. I'm. I'm just. I'm putting it out there. He wants to win a ring, Dalton.
0: I actually am going Bears as well. I think. Oh,
1: okay. Well, you heard By it heart, here my first. wants me
0: to go to the Bills. I can't, I, can't, I can't let him go to a team that has one of these rookie running backs. I one thing I know
1: it. of, there's nowhere he's going where he is going to live up to whoever drafted him in the third or fourth round. <laughs> that is all we have for you today on our podcast. Again, stay safe. Uh, stay diligent in terms of the wave wire. Again, especially in a year like this with injuries. That is where it's won, even if you had some misses on draft day like everyone did. Um, We will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast.